lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand. You're on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, where you may get lied to whenever you see hashtag Facebook approved takes. You can also follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Look for me as well on places that don't censor us. Me, we, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Look for Steve Dace there. And then rumble.com slash Steve Day Show is where you can go as well to get clips that are free of censorship for the show too. Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Uh, we have a lot going on on the program here today. Uh, three non-political questions next hour. Uh, we will have a guest for Theology Thursday. We're going to be joined by a former National Football League player turned pastor who is concerned that the church in America is not prepared uh, for the conflict that we are now mired in. And even beyond that, he doesn't really think a lot of what we call can the conservative movement is prepared to truly confront what we are up against as well. So we will talk to him next hour. Uh, at the bottom of this hour, remind me who's on the bottom of this hour. I just had a complete and total senior Sean moment. Davis. How did I forget my buddy Sean Davis at the Federalist? Don't tell him I said that because he will find me and hurt me. All right. He may. All right. Don't, don't tell him that that just happened. Okay. Sean Davis, our buddy over at the Federalist, will join us here at the bottom of the hour. I've got four things I need to tell you here in the first five minutes of the show, and 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 I just didn't have room for a fifth, so Sean Davis's name got forgotten there. I apologize. Sean Davis from the Federalist will join us. The false flag operation known as the Facebook whistleblower. We will give you the deets on that coming up at the bottom of the hour. But yes, there's a few things I need to update you on right after I tell you about Rough Greens. And we've been telling you about Rough Greens for quite a while. It's the supplement powder that you mix in with your pet's food. And with that one simple act, you're probably restoring back the nutrition that was stripped out of your pet's food before it left the factory for the same reason they do it to us. That's why we take so many supplements these days, because of the mass distribution, longer shelf life, etc. And within Rough Greens, you get the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, omegas, uh, antioxidants, pre, probiotics, missing from so much of that dead-as-a-doornail store-bought food. But you might be worried that your dog won't like it. Well, here's one way to find out. We will give you that first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free. You just pay for the shipping, so you've got some skin in the game, too. But the bag itself is on us when you go to roughgreens.com. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com, roughgreens.com, or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. All right, some things I want to update you on. First of all, our bonus chapter to Fauci and Bargain, Fauci and Booster, which we unveiled, wow, was it a full week ago now? Uh, on how to push back on COVID mandates and why to push back on them because they violate the Nuremberg Code and therefore they should be opposed and resisted by any peaceable means necessary. We are approaching 5,000 digital download copies of that sold, which is, an out, I mean, that's an outstanding total for a platform of our magnitude in just over a week. As a result, we are going to experiment with trying to put just that chapter into a hardcover edition that will be made available to you within the next week or so. All right, so if if the digital download thing is not your thing or you don't have a Kindle or anything of that nature, 
Uh, the, the, our publisher, Post Hill, has decided there is a, a pilot program in Amazon that allows you to take basically pamphlet-sized writings and put them into a hardcover. We're going to try to do that with Fauci and Booster because, again, we just want to make this as readily available to as many people as we possibly can. And like I told you last week, it's 20 pages with 40 footnotes. I'm, you know, I, I think my company makes about 30 cents per copy. Uh, this is really just about, and I don't care if you digitally download it, print it, and share it with 50 people. All right, This is about getting this information into as many hands as possible to help formulate as many arguments as we possibly can for the times in which we live. So I'll have hopefully more details on that here within the next week. But if you just could not access the digital copy availability on Amazon, we're going to try and see if we can make it available now with the amount of interest in it. We're going to see if we can make it available now on a hardcover edition here shortly. So stay tuned for more information on that. Which brings me to something I wanted to update you on. I, I, I told you a week ago about the story that a member of our audience, uh, Billy, told us about his friend, uh, Alan. And Alan fighting for his life against COVID-19 in Virginia, 41, married with kids. And we, we put out a clarion call to this audience, people you know in Virginia that would provide some form of, of early treatment, some form of just wait until you need to be on a ventilator and then we put you on one and hopefully you don't die. So many of you responded to that. I passed all those messages on. And, and there were so many attempts to reach out to help Alan that I, I thought you deserved an update on Alan Bach at Mary Washington Hospital in Fredericksburg, Virginia. He died a few days ago. He's not coming home to his family. He passed away. And I want to... I'm going to share with you a note I had, a text I received this morning from a good friend of the three of ours. I'm just going to send you, I'm going to tell you verbatim what he sent me. My son, his son's a college football player, by the way. My son, who's a college football player, was sick on Sunday, COVID positive, had to declare he was symptomatic. We started him on ivermectin hydroxychloroquine ZPAC protocol right away with heavy vitamin C. He had already been given a strong daily vitamin D. The protocol kicked in in less than 48 hours, probably closer to 36. He's had two negative tests since Sunday, and he's 100%. The coaches, the program is telling him that he must have had a false positive. He was symptomatic. He must have had a false positive because they don't know how to handle the fact that he was symptomatic and got better. So it just must have been, and they retested him twice since Sunday. And so it, it must have been a false positive. And our friend writes, victory for him, truly sadness for those caught in the system. He's got several roommates with him on the team, all of them inner city black guys that are suspicious of this vaccination program with him. 
And we hooked them all up with the exact same protocol stuff that we gave to our son just in case. I know now six people personally that have done the ivermectin protocol. This buddy of mine is the sixth. One of them, it didn't work. One of them, it made them sick. The other five from various age ranges, including this is a college football player. I know somebody who used to be in my small group. Uh, We hired him to drive Ted Cruz during the 2016 Iowa caucuses around the state. He's well into his 60s. He was back on his feet working with his hands in 48 hours. So I've not seen it work within my own circle 100%, but I've seen it work a lot more and a lot better than sit around, wait until you can't breathe, go to the ER, and we'll put you on a ventilator. I know it works a hell of a lot better than that. I gave you a series of websites yesterday or a couple of days ago on the show. The easiest one to remember. Some of you have emailed me and said, I've tried to go to these websites. My browser won't let me. It looks like Google is blocking it. The easiest one to remember, which is kind of an aggregator of all of these sites. Earlytreatmentreport.com. Again, earlytreatmentreport.com. When I, when I said all of you needed to go to Liberty Council and we, the Patriots USA, when they were the first two big law firms to get involved in pushing back on mandates, and we crashed that server because of the demand, frankly, that needs to happen to this website. Because this is information that might save the life of you or a loved one, someone you care about. Nothing's 100%. Last I checked, the only thing 100% in this world is the death rate. That's been consistent fairly with one notable exception since Genesis chapter 3. We're all going to die. So there is no magic elixir. There is no 100% cure to absolutely anything. But I do know this. Between the data and what I've seen in my own personal life, the ivermectin cocktail works a hell of a lot better than go home, self-isolate until you can't breathe, come into the ER, we'll put you on a ventilator and just see what happens. Because we won't even give you the monoclonal antibodies now that they're rationing those. And you don't want to take rendemsevir. That causes renal failure, and that's when it's not not working and prolonging your hospital stay. So I know it works better than that. I, I don't know how what I don't know what the percentage of efficacy of ivermectin is. I've seen things from 40 to 75%. That's a pretty wide variance. I do know, even if it's in the 40s, it's a lot higher than remdesivir, and now we're gonna ration the monoclonal antibodies. I know it's higher than that. I know it's higher than just stick around on a damn ventilator. But with, by the way, your wife and kids can't come see you in the hospital and die alone. I know it's a lot better than that. I've seen it in my own life. I know it is a lot better than that. Do not sit around here and allow you to be yourself and your family to be held hostage by this sick care system. Go to this website right now. Learn it. Love it. Marinate in it. Go to all the links. Become very familiar with it. Earlytreatmentreport.com I don't want to get any more emails like this. They have killed too many people. Too many people have died that did not have to. And it won't stop unless we make it stop.
There's several other sites, but this is the easiest one. If you're driving, easiest thing to remember right now, earlytreatmentreport.com. Get to know it. And now here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Pfizer. Project Veritas is on the freaking roll. I work at a pharmaceutical company. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Um, I just believe in research and science. Well, in this database, you came across a chain of emails discussing fetal tissue and the COVID vaccine. Vanessa Gelman, who works in Washington, D.C., is Senior Director of Worldwide Research. The question came up as an inquiry to our MedInfo group. They're asking, quote, did Pfizer make use of a cell line from an aborted fetus? They want you to leave out the highlighted part, which is the one or more cell lines with an origin that can be traced back to human fetal tissue has been used in laboratory tests associated with the vaccine program. And here we have your badge. You are an employee of Pfizer? I work at the McPherson, Kansas plant. Um, it's one of the biggest plants in the operation of Pfizer. We produce some of the most units. This message from Vanessa Gilman. From the perspective of corporate affairs, we want to avoid having the information on the fetal cell lines floating out there. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit that we could see, particularly with general members of the public who may take this information and use it in ways we may not want it out there. We have not received any questions from policymakers or media on this issue in the last few weeks, so we want to avoid raising this if possible. Checking in on Dr. Leanna Wynn. Should the U.S. be more like Canada? Yes, we should. We really need every tool at our disposal at this point. We've already tried incentives. We tried outreach and education. We should continue doing that. But at this point, vaccine requirements are the way to go. Vaccine requirements in workplaces, as we've seen, have been very effective. And I also think that for domestic travel, for interstate travel, for planes, trains, interstate buses, things that are within the jurisdiction of President Biden and the federal government, I really do think that it's time to put those requirements to. First, it's going to make plane and train travel a lot safer. But also, especially with holidays coming, it will be a powerful incentive for people mm -hmm. to say, look, you can stay unvaccinated if you want, but you're not going to be able to travel to see your family. In completely unrelated news, in Germany, those who are fully vaccinated are wearing a yellow button to advertise their vaccine status. Denmark has joined Sweden in banning the Moderna COVID vaccine for young people, citing the same adverse side effects like heart inflammation. In Massachusetts, one of the most vaccinated states in the union, between September 25th and October 2nd, the state reported 88 total deaths with COVID. Based on Massachusetts' own breakthrough case report, 46 of those deaths were fully vaccinated, comprising 52% of the total deaths during that time span. Masks for thee, but not for me update. Here's Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. In case you missed that, Tlaib says she's only wearing a mask because, quote, I've got a Republican tracker here. Healthcare is a human right update. At least one health system is requiring the COVID vaccine for critical organ transplants. UC Health in Denver confirmed this week organ transplant recipients and living donors must be vaccinated against COVID-19, quote, in almost all situations. The Florida Department of Health announced recently that during the first month of the school year, September, juvenile COVID cases and positivity rates plummeted with no statistical difference between schools that require masks and those that don't. Moving on, as gas prices continue to soar to their highest level since 2014, it's good to know the White House is concerned. Certainly, we all want to keep gasoline prices low, uh, but uh, the threat of the crisis, uh, the climate crisis, certainly can't wait any longer. 
NASA has announced plans to nudge an asteroid to keep it from threatening Earth. If all goes as planned, NASA will send spacecraft to the asteroid this November, smash into one of the two asteroids known as Didymoon at roughly 13,500 miles per hour nearly a full year later on October 2nd, 2022. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, what could go wrong? And finally, this from Carl Sagan. Science is more than a body of knowledge. It's a way of thinking, a way of skeptically interrogating the universe with a fine understanding of human fallibility. If, if we are not able to ask skeptical questions, to interrogate those who tell us that something is true, to be skeptical of those in authority, then we're up for grabs for the next charlatan, political or religious who comes ambling along. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at Patriot Wine, where they get their wine from down in Argentina with some of the highest vineyards in the world, up to 9,000 feet, world-class, 90-point wine, deep within the Andes Mountains with families that have been doing this for going on two full centuries now. And they taste incredible. The three of us all have uh, tried these, have a stash of them, a blackberry, dark cherry, Leather and smoke, great with red meat, particularly a steak. Uh, if you want to try it now, great red wine from the third highest vineyard in the world. Not loaded with fillers and not inflated pricing either. You're going to get some of the best wine on the planet for half off today. No promo code necessary. If you wish to go to PatriotWine2021.com, that's all you have to do. You don't need a promo code. You'll get half off some of the best wine in the world today. Patriot Wine. 2021.com. Again, that's PatriotWine2021.com. I don't even know how to respond to much of what is in Aaron's montage. I, I sort of feel like I'm, I'm drinking from a fire hose. No, a bazooka right now. I got up this morning, and the first thing I read, and I have linked it to the very top of my Twitter account, no way am I posting this on Facebook. Uh, but I've posted it on all my other social media accounts as well. There is a, a, a piece, and it's really long, I have to warn you. It's a very long piece over at American Greatness. With, it, it's basically detailing an interview with a guy who apparently is well-known in psychiatry. I mean, that's my wife's field. She's a therapist. I should ask her if she's heard of this guy. Okay. But I won't even attempt to summarize it for you. I won't even attempt to. I will, though, share with you my reaction. You, you should just go and read this for yourself. Not very long ago. I mean, we're coming up on, what, the third anniversary of the merger here between CRTV and, and The Blaze, right? Yeah. Was, and and we, we were the show that kind of launched that, right? Yeah. In October of... 18. 18. Okay, yeah. So right after the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing, basically. Um, even just a few years ago, I wouldn't have made it to the third paragraph of something like that. I would have thought... This is bat-dropping crazy, and I'm out. I not only made it past the third paragraph, I made it all the way to the end. 
found myself nodding my head affirmatively throughout much of it. And wanted more. I'm either very broken or very awakened. And maybe it's both. Maybe the latter is causing the former. There is, I, I won't, I, I'm not even allowed to tell you names. There is a private who's who network of conservative leaders and activists all over the country. And the group is spearheaded by the spouse of one of the most respected people and figures um, on the right in the last, would you say, 30, 40 years, probably? Sure. Okay. And, I mean, this is a very secretive group where people can speak freely about what is going on. And I got invited into this about uh, a year and a half ago. And I sent to the group the story from the London Daily Telegraph that we talked about yesterday. I shared with them what I shared with you on the show, what I thought it meant, and then maybe added a couple of things that I'm not quite yet ready to say on a broader platform. But I thought I, I was confident enough that they were possible to contemplate that this group should at least consider it. <clears throat> One of the people in this group, who I worked with, by the way, on the Cruise for President campaign, I won't give you, again, I can't tell you any names. This thing's like top secret. Sent me back an email in response that said, and it just had one sentence. This is effing crazy. That's what he told me. I wrote back to him. I know. And crazy's where we live now. We, we live at the corner of this is effing crazy and this is bat drop wacky. We live at that corner. Now, that, that's where we live now. And, I, and trust me, I'm heavily, I have been heavily resistant to going here for several years. I don't know what other alternative I have. I got up this morning and after reading this, and contemplating, I can't believe I read this. I can't believe I got to the end of this. I can't believe I even think it's palatable, and I might even agree with most of it. I can't believe I'm going to actually share something like this. This portion of Scripture came to mind. Christ speaking to the religious leaders in Matthew, and he says, When evening comes, you say the weather will be fair. For the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but not the sign of the times. He is speaking to a group of people who should have known better, who inherited a legacy from the great Ezra. The pharisaical legacy was founded with the rededication of the temple and Ezra. They meticulously held on to the way, to the teachings of Moses through captivities, diasporas. They were the heroes of the story for a long time, for centuries. 
but then arrives the one who's the fulfillment of the legacy they've been trying to maintain and hold on to. And despite the fact they see all the signs, the miracles that are being performed, the scriptures that are being fulfilled, they reject it. And the main reason they reject it is because accepting it blows up the paradigm they have become accustomed to, that they are comfortable with. And in my flesh, I can't blame them. These people had been through hell for hundreds of years. They had been under the whip of some of the worst oppressors in the history of the world. They've now come to a place of some form of religious accommodation on what is the most violent and dominant culture that the world had known ever up until that point, Rome. And Rome was willing to grant them a level of religious autonomy. It granted none of its other subjects. The idea that there could be a Sanhedrin that would rule the people civically and religiously separate from the jurisdiction of Rome was something that was granted to no other people under Roman occupation. The cost it took to gain such accommodations, the, the toll it took to cast the Maccabees from the temple, all the wars and fought fights that had to be waged, I, I cannot blame them in my flesh. I, I cannot blame them for at least being somewhat hesitant, understanding that accepting that this is your Messiah blows that all up. And that's why Caiaphas says, better for one man to die than for the whole paradigm, the whole nation to perish. On the other hand, though, being that they were the keepers of the scrolls, so to speak, the keepers of the flame, being that they were the teachers, being that they were entrusted with this legacy, the idea that the huddled masses got it and rallied to their Messiah, but they did not, convicts them just the same. For a long time, I have not wanted to go there. I thought a lot of the people who did were just frankly nuts. Not very smart. And that if smarter people ran this movement, if smarter people had bigger platforms, you know, smarter people like me. This wouldn't have to become a zero-sum game. And we could maintain this beautiful paradigm of Americana and all of its largesse, and convenience that makes me the ugly American. And we wouldn't have to go there. That's one hell of a Pharisee impersonation. I didn't want to accept the signs of the times. The cost was too high. Didn't want to accept it. It's going to cause me to rub shoulders with people I'm not comfortable with, frankly. Somebody sent me an email this morning. You and Alex Jones are saying the same thing. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what to say to that, man. Okay. I don't know. We need to understand the signs of the times. 
we are living in a moment in history that at the very least, the end of Western civilization and the end of American exceptionalism are on the table. To me, that's the lowest stakes we're playing for. Those are the low stakes. We could be playing for cosmic stakes here, like stuff of end times, novels, and movies. I think that's potentially on the table. It's just above my pay grade and jurisdiction. But at the very least, as somebody who's fairly knowledgeable on history and philosophy, the end of Western civilization and American exceptionalism, at the very least, we are playing for those stakes. And those, boys and girls, are big stakes on their own that will have a real human toll and cost with more emails about more 41-year-old husbands who get a respiratory virus and are told there's nothing they can do. So just come into the hospital, get on a ventilator, be isolated from your family, and then never go home. More stories like that will be told. And so if, if you've been holding out here, not going there as I did for the longest time, we're already there. So it's time to go. If you take my advice and go read that piece over at American Greatness that even a few years ago, I would have tapped out at the third paragraph and thought, this is bat dropping crazy. No way. And now I'm like totally enthralled and got all the way to the end. If you end up reading that piece, you might think to yourself, wow, there's probably been never, never been a better time to call my Patriot Supply. And you might be right. <laughs> you might be right. All right. Because uh, whether it's now fuel prices Hey, last year, last year in the 21st century, we had to ration toilet paper, which they're rationing again. In the 21st century, we tell people we have nothing to treat with no leeches and copper bracelets available. We have nothing to treat a respiratory virus. Sucks to be you. Don't think that the day could not come. We have the highest gas prices we've had now uh, since, well, uh, the last time O'Biden was president. Don't think it couldn't happen with food. Because it could. So make sure you've got the peace of mind with food that is specially packaged to stay fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage with our friends at My Patriot Supply. Save $50 on their four-week emergency food kit right now that gives you breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, even snacks. So up to 2,000 plus calories a day for you and everyone in your family. Right now, we won't send the Doom Prepper van down the street, you know, in like in fluorescent pink to alert all your neighbors. You're a freak show. Just a discreet delivery. You make sure you've got the pri- the proper storage, and then you've got peace of mind to know if it couldn't happen here, happens here again, you are prepared. My Patriot Supply is where you want to go. Go to this website to go there. Preparewithdace.com to get this deal. Preparewithdace.com. Let's bring in our good friend Sean Davis from the Federalist. Good to see you, brother. How you been? Great. How are you? Good. I, I want to spend the bulk of our time talking about the uh, the the latest uh, agitprop uh, called the Facebook whistleblower. But I just saw something you tweeted right before we came back from break, and I want you to explain and provide some context to our audience. You made the point there is no Joe Biden um, executive order on vaccine mandates. Can you go into more detail on this, Sean? 
Right. So that came from a great article by Joy Pullman, one of our top editors at The Federalist. And she looked into this vaccine mandate that we were told was was coming from the federal government. So originally, Biden had said, we're going to make everyone do this. All the companies with more than X amount of employees are going to do this. And it's going to be done through OSHA and the Department of Labor. And Joy looked into it, and there's not been anything that's issued. As best as she could tell, there's not been an, an, ex- an executive order. There certainly hasn't been uh, any proposed regs or any language like that coming out of Department of Labor and OSHA. So what she really had was an attempt, and in, in a rather successful one, it would appear, by the Biden administration to bully companies into doing its bidding through the mere threat of a vaccine mandate. Or those companies got the fig leaf that they wanted to do what they have always wanted to do anyway, and then they don't issue a formal executive order because now there's nothing formal to challenge in a federal court. Just saying. Could that be a possibility? Right. It, it, absolutely. And it's it's very similar to DACA, um, which was this immigration program under Biden mm-hmm. that prevented uh, deportation of certain illegal immigrants. And the issue there was that was never uh, a regulation either. That wasn't an executive order. It was a memo from DHS, a memo. Now, uh, you know, I've got an old copy of the Constitution. Maybe it's been updated since. I am not aware (laughs) of of an exemption in there for all the requirements of lawmaking for memos and press releases. But what do I know? So the Facebook, oh, one last thing on this, the, if, if you are trying to get a religious exemption right now from these mandates, the Pfizer video that Project Veritas put out last night to me would just seem to be, and you know, you're, you're, you're the legal guy here, Sean, I'm, I just, you know, uh, play one here on, on Blaze TV, but that would seem to me to be, if you're looking for evidence for your religious exemption, uh, that video would seemingly boost your case a little bit. I think it would, especially with the uh, evidence that, that Pfizer apparently tried to cover up, according to this whistleblower video, uh, that fetal stem cell lines and, and abortion uh, uh, remnants were used in the development and testing of, of at least the Pfizer vaccine. I, you know, that's pretty troubling. All right, let's get to the Facebook whistleblower. And I saw some people in conservative media jump on this. Yes, thank you very much for the air quotes. Appreciate that. <laughs> I saw some people on on in conservative media jump on this thing really quick. Uh, and I w- I'll tell you, a few years ago, I'd have done the same thing. But I have been radicalized, man. Okay? Uh, and so I didn't, before I even saw anybody post this take, I didn't even have I, – I just dismissed it in my own mind. I'm like, this is just a complete – agitprop plant to move the Overton window over to the left even more so they can just censor all the more. This is a complete crock. This is before outlets like yourselves dug into this woman's background and found all the donations she's made and everything else. How quickly they gave her a blue check mark and this whole thing was completely determined. And and I love the idea, and I say this as the father of two daughters I adore and I would kill you over without thinking twice about. But the idea that, well, they, 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 they hurt women's self-esteem. I can't go on Facebook and declare who a woman is, Sean, okay? I, can't, I cannot declare on Facebook what a woman is, all right? I mean, this thing, is, it's just, yes, it's just, this is such BS. So what's the, give us again the 401 on this one. So I actually was talking with one of my colleagues about this yesterday that I have loved the reaction from the right to this fake whistleblower, because like you said, years ago, people would have fallen for it. But immediately everyone said this whole thing is an op. 
It's an information operation meant to give Facebook the external justification yep. it needs and to give regulators the justification they need to go and not actually tamp down on things that are actually dangerous with, you know, drug trafficking and child trafficking and and prostitution and all that kind of stuff that seems to happen on social media but never gets thrown off. But it, it's being used as a pretext to crack down on truly dangerous speech, namely stuff from conservatives that doesn't comport with the regime's uh, preferred narrative for a given day. So what happened here was you have this completely fake whistleblower who's being run by the PR firm uh, that was started by Obama's former deputy press secretary and is the same PR firm that previously employed Biden press secretary Jen Psaki. Uh, it, 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 she's being paraded immediately, you know, just days after her, her allegedly stunning revelations before the Senate, she gets a blue check mark. And, and what's actually happening here is they're, they're taking, you know how you give a dog a pill and you stuff it in some cheese or something yeah, so yeah. the dog will take the pill and not spit it out? Yeah, so the cheese in this case is the stuff talking about how it harms teens and kids. And yeah, of course it does, because it's evil. Um, but the pill that they actually want in there, that they want to, they shoved into that cheese to get people to swallow, is the idea that Facebook really needs to be censoring political speech more because it's political speech that's dangerous. Uh, that's what's really going on. It's an op meant to bully Facebook and provide it justification for cracking down even more on people on the right who say things about politics that our unelected tech oligarch overlords don't agree with. Sean, as you were as you were laying that out, the thought occurred to me that this is the same story as Biden Biden's vaccine mandate that doesn't exist that I just asked you about. This is the same thing. I mean, this is a this is an attempt to create a a public an event a public event of pressure to get an outcome you want uh, on a upon private industry. Isn't this the same exact tactic? It is. It's also the same thing from uh, uh, Alexander Vindman, uh, who who tried to run a completely bogus impeachment against Trump against the. Uh, the fake whistleblower who he protected, uh, uh, who many people believe is Eric Charmella. It's people who are playing a role. You might call them crisis activists mm -hmm. um, in order to create a narrative so that uh, the media and their allies can push an agenda that they want to foist on you. And my friend Lee Smith wrote a great piece several years ago talking about the Arabization of American media. Uh, so this is a guy who's very well versed in the Middle East. And he said over there, when you read newspapers and news accounts, you're not reading for facts because you know it's all nonsense. You're reading to figure out what a particular faction wants you to be doing or thinking in a given day. And, and when you talked at the beginning of, of how you knew this thing was an op from the beginning, that's because we are now being forced to consume news, not to find the uh, information that's on the surface because we know so much that's false, but to figure out what's the underlying agenda of the person yes. pushing this. Yes. And by the way, for those of you that recall, when Aaron took his paternity leave, we did those specialty theme shows. The show we did on that piece, The 30 Tyrants, that was also written by uh, Lee Smith, the, the name that uh, Sean just invoked. So he gets double credit for that, too. But this goes to why I don't even return. And I did uh, tons of interviews with New York Times, Washington Post, 50 plus appearances on MSNBC. I don't return any calls from any of these people anymore. It's because we've gone from bias to malfeasance. Like, I understand you've got a political narrative, but at the very, or, or a political bias, but there would at least be some attempt to get the objective information out first before you put your spin on it. That, that doesn't exist anymore. We just go right to the spin. We just, we just dial this puppy up to 11 right away and blow the amps out. I mean, this is just all narrative all of the time now, Sean. 
That's right, because we actually don't have a functioning uh, journalistic industry or news media anymore. What we have are information shock troops working on behalf yep. of the DNC, of the Democrat regime. You know, it used to be 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we would complain about bias. We'd say, eh, I don't really like the words that Peter Jennings used or, you know, Dan Rather, he seems to be kind of cherry picking stuff. But it, it was always about their bias, about their slant, their, about their lean. There's no bias anymore. It's just outright corruption and propaganda and agitation on behalf of one particular party. That's it. We don't read the news anymore because the news media doesn't produce any. All it does is produce agate prop. To that end, I keep track of this stuff and have for years. Quinnipiac was the fourth worst poll in 2020 for inaccuracy. The fourth worst. Not surprisingly, I think you'll you'll be completely shocked to learn CNN was the most inaccurate one of 2020. Quinnipiac was fourth. In 2018, they had Ron DeSantis losing his, his, in, his, in their final poll to a meth addict by seven points. And yet they came out uh, with a poll looking comp- comprehensively on public thoughts on the Biden presidency. A majority of people don't think they're competent in approval rating in the 30 percentile. And so if, if that is making it through what is a fairly well-established plus D bias within the Quinnipiac polling mechanism, what are the real numbers then? They have to be have to be just cataclysmically bad. And you're right, Quinnipiac was a terrible pollster. I, I think they had at one point Lindsey Graham being tied in his race in South Carolina. He ended up winning by like ten or eleven or twelve. I think they had Susan Collins losing by a, a huge number. I think she ended up winning by nine. Uh, it's not a good pollster because of its extreme uh, pro Democrat uh, slant on it. So if they're showing independence uh, disapproving of Biden by a two to one margin, I can't imagine how bad it is. And, and it's not just that. It's not just that two thirds uh, of people with no political agenda oppose him. They're opposing him in spite of the help that the media gives him every day, yeah. in spite of all the lies. They're seeing through the smokescreen. Can you imagine what the numbers would be if people were told, were told the truth by their mm. news media? Mm. Great place to leave it. That's a very, very thought-provoking question. Good to see you again, Sean. Thanks for joining us, brother. Take care. God bless. Thanks, Steve. You bet. Sean Davis over at The Federalist, brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar, the absolute greatest protein bar of all time. It tastes and has the texture of a candy bar, but the nutrition of a protein bar, the protein you're looking for, the taste you want and crave, all covered in real chocolate, loaded with protein and not loaded with fat carbs, calories, and sugar. You're going to tell me it's too good to be true. Todd was very sitting over here taking shots of vinegar for fun. How many months and months did you sit here and tell me it can't possibly be this good? Then you waited for the flavor to come out that you think is the absolute most difficult to replicate birthday cake so that you could give it the most difficult pronouncement trial that you could possibly give it, right? Sure. And even you had to eventually say, not bad, right? Oh, better than not bad. All right. So that's, and that's a ringing endorsement from Mr. Vinegar over here. All right. Vinegar is magic. I'm still waiting on that flavor, though. You can do it. I believe in a you. A vinegar built bar. How about an apple cider vinegar I'm built in. bar for the fall? Yes. Would you like that? I'm in. I might even try that. All right. So if you want to give it a shot right now, uh, yes, cookie dough is still available. Last I checked, that's their greatest flavor of all their great flavors, if you ask me. Promo code DACE to get 15% off. Promo code DACE at built.com. B U I L T, built.com. Use the promo code my last name DACE, get 15% off. 
Any reaction to the conversation that Sean Davis and I just had? Well, the only thing to say after conversations like that is uh, to go back to my old faithful Sean Connery. What are you prepared to do? Uh, the press, they're enemies of the state. Without apology. Without apology. Yet, how many people, uh, you know, th- uh, think, yeah, I hate their editorial boy, a bunch of rag, but you still subscribe because you need their sports page or something like that. I just, it, 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 don't you understand how much they hate you yet? I, I just don't get it. Don't you understand how much they hate you yet? I want to go back to what you opened up the conversation and Joy Pullman's piece over at the Federalist. She drops a line in there, uh, and I'm not probably quoting it verbatim, but I'm pretty close. We now have a constitution that's by the screen people, of the screen people, for the screen people. I assume she means the people on TV, the people in the media, the people mm-hmm. on uh, in front of the cameras. And, and that's uh, absolutely true. And you made the point, Steve, this Facebook whistleblower and the, the story about the vaccine mandate are really the same thing. There's nothing really, there's nothing real here other than just pressuring companies into uh private companies into doing the the will of the of the party the will of the administration there's also a similar story as well do we know yet if the pfizer vaccine has been fda approved a future drug man i thought the same thing i was going to say this sounds like the pfizer vaccine approval that wasn't a a future drug under a different name that's basically the same thing as of my knowledge has been approved the one that is pfizer BioNTech. As I am aware, still has not been approved by the FDA, but they still made a big deal about that, making it seem like, oh, well, we have an FDA approved one now, taking away an excuse not to get faxed. Uh, pretty soon, pretty do you, I have to think. Pretty I keep, soon? I have to think people so in 10 minutes? see through this, but man, I've been wrong so many times see, about why that. Why do you have to behave as a child if your parent excuses everything you do no matter what they do that's what's exactly the press is whatever do whatever say whatever we will make it work Mm -hmm. we will sell it we will pitch it we will bend it we will twist it they don't have to be held accountable to anybody because the press won't be the press that's why i thought sean made a great point there at the end i mean they're they're carrying all the yeah. Alzheimer's infested waters yes. for this guy they can. They've even done the big pivot from Afghanistan and to try to pick a partisan fight they thought would at least oh. rally their own base and the numbers just don't improve and continue to diminish all the more. That's why Biden's perfect for them. It makes all the sense in the world now why they all wanted Biden when we couldn't see it before. Theology Thursday's next. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Email the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, where I may lie to you whenever you see hashtag Facebook approved takes. You can also follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for me as well without any censorship at all at Parlor, Gab, and Getter. And then no censorship either. When you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show, get your clips of the show that are free from Rumble. Go there. No censorship there. Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. If you're a podcast listener, 
we say thank you. Uh, you have played an, a huge role, a huge role uh, in the growth of our show, and we are so appreciative to you. If you've not yet done this, though, please leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe, follow, whichever platform uses either one, wherever you happen to prefer podcasting from, and uh, please do that. It helps to continue helping the show to grow, and we want to thank all of you, the thousands of you that have done both of those things for us here in just the last couple of years, so thank you. I want to say thank you to our friends over at Raycon as well, because they let me get uh, get in a cool dad moment earlier this year when my son Noah figured out that Raycon was one of our partners on the show and saw me trying out these new Raycon earbuds. And I could tell. He's like, hey, are those Raycons, man? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, those are the good ones. And kind of gave me that those puppy dog eyes. And they don't work quite as much, you know, when he's 14 as they did when he was three and four, you know? But still every now and then, he's still just, he's still my little dude and not the guy that talks like this and has a deeper voice than me and hairier legs. Uh, and so, it just, you know, I just, I could see the puppy dog eyes and I'm like, would you like to borrow these? He's like, yeah, do you mind? I said, not at all. Todd and Aaron, that was approximately six months ago. Do you think I ever received those Raycon earbuds back? No. I no no I did not. I've not. You've been played. Yes, this was a very long a very long borrowing. Yes, that is ongoing apparently. It's an indefinite one. All right. But if you want to see what is such a big deal about Raycon earbuds and why my son stole them, I'm sorry, indefinitely borrowed them from me. Uh, so that he could use them too. Right now, you get 15% off your Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash Steve. That's buyraycon.com slash Steve. Uh, these work whether you are listening to a podcast or listening to music at the gym. The noise cancellation on these, the fit in the ear, outstanding. Uh, you can't do better than Raycon. They come with a 45-day happiness guarantee. They start at about half the price of the other premium audio brands, brands, but sound just as good. So take advantage of the discount right now. 15% off your order at Raycon.com, R-A-Y-C-O-N, Raycon.com slash Steve. Well, I met this gentleman uh, several years ago at a meeting called Council for National Policy, CNP. I've often referred to it as sort of the skull and bones uh, society of the conservative <laughs> movement, if you will. Uh, but Paul Blair, uh, he played college football at Oklahoma State, you know, played a couple teammates. He had, you know, some guys named Thurman Thomas, Barry Sanders, Mike Gundy, Hartley Dykes, any of those names. Anybody, maybe if you're a longtime college football fan or pro football fan, any of those names ring a bell. He was drafted uh, by the Chicago Bears and Mike Ditka, the draft after they won uh, the Super Bowl as well. Played five years in the NFL. He's a pastor now. He's a cancer survivor. And he joins us here on our Theology Thursday. Paul, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, brother. How are you? Steve, I'm a big fan, of course, of yours and the show. And it's an honor to be on with you. And I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. That's very, very kind. Thank you very much. So before we get into why specifically we asked you to be on today, tell us a little bit about your pastoral endeavors and and one of the things that you're seeking to do and have sought to do for the last couple of decades in organizing pastors around the country. Well, we take for granted what we enjoy here in the United States of America. But you don't have to search the Bible long or just world history to recognize that Christians have always been persecuted for their faith. 
And quite frankly, we in America have come to believe that we are the rule. Well, we're not. We're the exception to the rule. Mm. And we are the only Christians in 2,000 years of, of, of Christian history that have enjoyed civil and religious liberty without fear of persecution or prosecution. And if you go back and you look at the role that the pastors played, literally, from the landing at Pilgrim, uh, or excuse me, at Plymouth uh, by the Pilgrims, uh, from the uh, development of you know the, the states that we now know as Connecticut and, and Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and and throughout the original thirteen, um, the role that a biblical worldview and the scriptures played in developing our form of government is critical. And those men, for the most part, had a comprehensive biblical worldview. And that's where we've gotten off track here in America. We have compartmentalized our faith to where there are certain things that we can talk about on Sunday mornings and other things that are taboo in church. Well, honestly, that's a form of of Greek Gnosticism when we compartmentalize our lives into our secular lives and the sacred lives. Hmm. And the reality is, from a Hebraic worldview, Whatever we do, we're to bring glory to God. And if we actually believe, as most pastors would concede when they come out of seminary, they would say that, yes, God established three institutions on planet Earth. God established the home, God established the church, and God established this realm called civil government. Well, if that is in fact true, and God established this realm of civil government, then pastors ought to be searching the pages of Scripture and teaching their flocks what God's intentions for civil government was and what the limitations of civil government was. Well, at the time of our founding, you know, we had a, a, a group of pastors that history knows as the Black Robe Regiment. They were literally those, those patriot pastors. And the, the colonists at the time of our Declaration of Independence were trained in the principles of civil government in church by their pastors. And that's why the Declaration said what it said. And that's why we did what we did. And that's why we've been enjoy, able to enjoy the last 245 years of, of incredible liberty. But we are on the verge of losing it as we've watched nothing more than a Marxist coup, a well-orchestrated, well-planned Marxist coup be carried out on our country over the last two years. So we're doing our best to awaken a remnant of pastors because that's all God needs. You know, God plus one is a majority. So we're trying to awaken a remnant of pastors to stand up against this woke culture and stand up for the truths of Scripture in every area of our lives. You know, we point people to Jesus for salvation, but we also want to enjoy the blessings of liberty and pass those on to our children and grandchildren should the Lord tarry. If you want to get more information on that, by the way, really quick, folks, uh, after we're done here talking with Paul, and if you're a pastor in the audience and you want to get more information on that, libertypastors.com is the website you can go you can go to, yep. libertypastors.com. Paul, I've, I've pointed this out on my show before. It's probably been a while since I've made this point, and I want to get your take on it. If, if, I'm a, if I'm a young man and I'm about to marry a young woman in the church, and I, I go to the pastor and I say to him, Hey, you know, I, I, I didn't have the greatest male role model in the home. Um, you know, I want to be a good husband. Can you show me what, what God's word both expects and encourages me to be as a husband? The pastor will do that. And then maybe a year or two later, or maybe even just nine months later, if I go to that same pastor and say, hey, I'm going to be a father. I maybe didn't have the greatest role model for a dad growing up. Can you show me what the word of God encourages or expects of me as a dad? The pastor will do that. 
and then maybe a few more years go by and and you've been successful in your in your job or in a business and you've gone to that you go back to that pastor and say I want to be a good steward of the the resources God has given me you know and but I didn't come from money and I'm not really sure how to manage it and how to be responsible with it from a biblical standpoint can, can you show me what the word of God expects and encourages me along those lines and the pastor will do that too but then a few more years go by Paul and now your kids are teenagers or maybe grown and out of the house or you're going to be a grandfather and you go back to that same pastor and now you're concerned about the future and what you're going to leave behind for those kids. And the, and you say, you know, I, I think maybe that God's calling me to run for office. Can you show me what the word of God expects of me and encourages for me uh, if indeed I were to get elected? How am I to behave in, in, such a, in such a setting? What are those expectations? That same pastor who mentored you on how to be a good husband, father, steward, will then turn you over to some parachurch organization or we don't do that here in the church. And, and I think the, the lack of discipleship here yeah. is what's yeah. killing us in, 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 in just about in more than just about anything else. Our people just are not equipped. And so that's when I run into guys who think, well, I can just do as the Romans. I can make all the same compromises. And then they're shocked to find out it doesn't work. It blows up in their face. Well, that's why, you know, if we just elect a few more people with R's after their name and they make all the same compromises and all the same silliness, the numbers will, the numbers never are right. There's never enough big enough majority. It can never get done. It's not a numbers game, brother. It's a worldview game. What are your thoughts? Oh, you're, you're spot on. And see, we've gotten off track. The modern, the modern pastor coming out of seminary forgets what the Great Commission actually says. It says that we are to go and make disciples. Those are Christ followers. You know, I've, I've even gotten to the, way, to the point where I, I, I kind of shy away from the term Christian because everybody identifies as a Christian anymore. But a follower of Christ means 24-7. Jesus isn't just the Lord of Sunday mornings. He's the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And as followers of Christ, it should be demonstrated in my family, the way that I love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, the way that I provide for my family and protect my family, the way that I train up my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, the way that my work ethic itself is a testimony to the Lord, my, my practice in economics. You know, Christian businessmen should be the men of the highest ethics and integrity, should be known throughout the community. Christian employees should be the first ones to the office and the last ones to leave. You know, not just uh, men pleasers whenever the boss is watching. All these things are taught in Scripture. But as I said a little while ago, we practice a form of Christianity that looks very pretty on Sunday mornings or perhaps Saturday nights anymore. As pastors are busy trying to put fannies in seats, that's not what we're called to do. We're to preach the gospel and to make disciples. And if we did the job that we were supposed to be doing, we would see 180 degrees overnight in the direction of our country. And as you shared a moment ago, you know, we, have, we have fallen into the Marxist philosophy, the Marxist idea that the civil government is supposed to be the answer for everything. Mm-hmm. Well, the truth of the matter is, you know, in a biblical worldview, there are actually four realms of government. It begins with self-government, and there are certain things that are left up to me. Ultimately, it's up to me to make a decision whether I choose to bend my knee and follow Christ or not. Nobody else can make that decision for me. Also under the realm of self-government is whether I choose to wear a mask or choose to take a vaccine. That's part of my uh, personal decision. That's part of self-government. Then you've got the realm of family government. 
And just as an example, one of the responsibilities that God entrusted to the families is the education of their children. Where we as Christians got this idea that we can drop our kids off at pre-K when they're four years old, pick them up when they graduate at college at the age of 21, and have them being taught postmodernism for over 20 years, and we wonder why they've become little atheistic Marxists, and we're scratching our head going, what did we do wrong? Well, it's not hard to figure out. We haven't done what the Lord has taught us to do. Then the third realm is church government. There is a responsibility in the church, one of which is the responsibility of charity. There is no place in the Bible where we are instructed to use the power of the sword to take from those that supposedly have too much to give to those that refuse to work. The responsibility of charity is one of the jobs that was entrusted to the church. And then this fourth and final realm, supposedly the smallest, is this realm of, self, of civil government. And the purpose of civil government, it doesn't matter whether you look at Romans 13 or whether you look at Psalm 82 or whether you look at, at, at Paul's letter to Timothy or Peter's letter to the first. Wherever you look, you see that God's purpose for civil government is to punish evildoers and protect those that do well so that we may live peaceably in all godliness. The purpose of civil government is not to serve as a tyranny and rule over man. The purpose of civil government was just what I shared from the page of Scripture. But we don't teach any of that uh, in churches anymore. You know, we're supposed to gain our political insight from watching MSNBC or Fox News. Well, that's insane. And because we've gone down that path, that's why we are where we're at today. And that's why we're doing the work that we're trying to do. God willing, it's not too late. Of course, you know some of the other things we're all involved in, but we are, we are doing our best to awaken as many pastors as we can and train them to think biblically in every area of their lives, including politics. All right. There's our preamble. So you've okay. gotten to know Paul Blair a little bit here in the audience uh, and hear a little bit sort of his kind of meta view and what's on his heart. Let's get to the moment. And I... I I said at the, the in the opening segment of the show, there's a piece over at American Greatness this morning. I have pinned it to the top of my Twitter account, and I put it on all my social networks except Facebook. And it it, it quotes a luminary in in psychiatry who connects a lot, attempts to connect a lot of dots about what's currently currently going on with COVID. And and frankly, Paul, it's it's bat dropping wacky. Okay, and and a few years ago, I wouldn't have made it to the third paragraph of this thing. This time I made it, and this thing, this thing has like 30 paragraphs. I got all the way to the end, found myself nodding affirmatively numerous times, and thought, wow, I, I, I wish there was more here, okay? And, and I, I've, the last few years have radicalized me, and after reading this, I, I thought of the scripture in Matthew when Jesus chastises the religious leaders for mm -hmm. understanding yep. the signs in the sky, but not the signs of yep. the times. Just, right. and, and the reason why they don't recognize it is because the cost of recognizing it, they don't want to pay. And, the and, and I didn't want to recognize it for the same reason. The cost of me accepting this level of radicalization was going to make my job a lot harder, my life a lot harder, my friend list a lot shorter, uh, my anxiety a lot worse. You know, and so we as human beings in a sinful state, we prefer to accept truth on the basis of is it convenient for us, not whether or not is it objectively true. And I read a note that you sent me this week where you're expressing this sort of frustration with a lot of Christian leaders around the country. Do you understand the gravity of this moment? See, see, Paul, I think at the very least, 
the end of Western civilization and American exceptionalism is on the table historically. That Those are the lowest stakes Agreed. I think we're playing for right now. Those are the low-end stakes. There's a possibility something cosmic is going on, like fulfillment of end times kind of prophecy yep. stuff. All right, but, but that's beyond my jurisdiction, all right? So to me, I, the historical philosophical consequences of this is the end of American exceptionalism and Western civilization. Do Christian leaders understand what that means? If you went, let me, and let me put it very basically to them. If you were sent to a, a primitive village to minister and the local shaman who was sort of the, the seat of power in that village, and all you did was plant a church and preach the gospel, but you never actually confronted the vile beliefs and the and the and the evil programming of the local shaman that had embedded itself in the worldview of the community. Would you expect to be a successful evangelist if you never crossed swords with the belief system that the people are bringing that baggage into your church with? Of course you would do that. Anybody would do that. That's why we have martyrs. That's what happens when you confront this stuff sometimes, right? We have this idea that if we just pre- preach a blanket turn to Jesus gospel with no application of what that means after you do and the confrontations that will come as a result therein, that th- this will just suddenly get, get better. And or if we can vote our way out of this with the same people, you know, the same Mitch McConnell, to just cut bail Chuck Schumer out. Ted Cruz just right. said last week or just said three days ago, Chuck Schumer is going to have to surrender. He doesn't have the votes. Well, along comes Mitch McConnell to bail Chuck Schumer out. Here's a short term deal for your debt ceiling and we'll kick the can down the curb until December. I mean, when do our Christian leaders understand at a place like CNP, do they understand, Paul, the stakes we're playing for here? And, it, and, and we got to have a better plan than, boy, look at how low Joe Biden's approval ratings are. And we can yeah. vote Republicans in the majority next year. Well, that's why I sent you the letter that I did, and I've begun sharing that around a number of significant uh, believers that are men of influence that are in, I would say, our circle. And it's uh, provocative, outside-the-box thinking, but right now these are outside-the-box times. You know, the things that we should have been convinced by now, Steve, as we continue to point to the Constitution and say the Constitution is going to save us. I hate to tell everybody, but whatever the Constitution once was or whatever we thought it was, it no longer is. The other side holds it in no respect. They've shredded it. Uh, Just like Jehoiakim, when he received Jeremiah's letter and he shredded it and burned it, that's what they've done to the Constitution. You know, if we, when we've seen what we've seen this last year, you know, I had my own United States Senator, James Lankford, uh, in an email sent me a note saying, we know there was election fraud. And then Lankford crumbled a few days later because of the events of January 6, which were a hoax and a crock. But he crumbled a few days later and certified what he knew to be a fraudulent election. It's like, wait a second, Mr. Senator, how can you do that? Where is the Constitution securing our liberty in such a time of crisis? And then when you look at Article 3 of the Constitution, one of the few legitimate responsibilities that the Supreme Court actually was given – by the states, and that's something we need to remember, the Supreme Court was given that responsibility by the states who created this limited federal government, not the other way around. But one of the few areas of responsibility they have is to be an arbitrator between disagreements between states. Well, when Texas filed a lawsuit against Georgia and some of these other states, and we had over 20 states get on board with Texas's lawsuit because of the obvious election fraud. And when the Supreme Court chose to sit that one out, it was that day, Steve, that I came to the realization our republic 
as we know it, is dead. Mm. And honestly, it's been dead for a long time. You know, we've been this uh, administrative state for at least 60 or 70 years. We no longer have a representative republic. We're run by agencies, you know, the FBI, the CDC, the CIA, the EPA, the DHS, the FDA, whatever. And, of course, now they're continuing to weaponize the I, or the uh, FBI, you know, most recently, where they're now labeling parents as potential homeland terrorists if a parent stands up in a school board meeting and objects to critical race theory or LGBTQ agenda being poured into the minds of their children. We have absolutely disconnected from whatever we thought the Constitution was or was supposed to be. So we've literally gone, honestly, we've gone from a 1774 moment to a 1776 moment. We have done our best, just as the First and Second Continental Congress did. They tried to play within the rules. But we've got to recognize there is a bigger nefarious agency working at work out there. And I think this is eschatological. I see a lot of similar. Now, I don't have the day. Don't know that, obviously not. But I think we are getting close. And just as Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for not recognizing the signs of his first coming, I think the signs of his second coming are everywhere. Now, does that mean one minute, one week, one year, 10 years? Uh, I can't tell you that. We don't know that. But I do believe we, we may very well be within 10 years. And when you look at what this group of globalists has on the agenda, and this is not conspiracy theory. By the way, those that have a problem with the word conspiracy, please look up Psalm 2. The scripture says that the kings of the earth conspire together against the Lord and against his anointed and say, we will not have you to rule over us. So the whole idea of wicked men conspiring together in defiance to God is actually a biblical truth. But we see these people, they are bold. They are confident right now. The group is called the World Economic Forum, led by a man by the name of Klaus Schwab and some of the most elite, powerful super billionaires on planet Earth. If you were to sit down and listen to some of the speakers that they have in Davos, you would swear you were watching a James Bond movie. The things that these people are describing is just insane. But the reality is, they have been plotting a pandemic to be released upon the world for over 10 years, as was led by the Rockefeller Foundation. They've had this study going on since 2010. It was interesting that in, two, in 2019, Steve, in October of 2019, there was an event called Event 201 that met in New York City at the yeah. Pierre Hotel. Yep. And of course, it was the World Economic Forum, it was the Gates Foundation, and it was uh, Johns Hopkins, which is controlled by uh, the Rockefeller Foundation. And they war-gamed out a strategy how – hey, I'm not kidding you. It's literally on the website. What their response would be if there was a bats-to-human SARS coronavirus yep. unleashed on the world and how they would centralize power. Well, lo and behold, what a coincidence. One month later, there was. So what I see certainly does reek of signs of the times. Nevertheless, I can't see in my Bible whether we, of course, America is not even shown in the Bible. I mean, you've got to try to read America in there, and I've got my reasons for why that is as well. But when you, when you look and see there, I don't see the Mayflower Crossing. I don't see the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I don't see the last 245 years that we have enjoyed. So I know the Lord's return is soon. 
But what I don't know is will we still be free and enjoying liberty when the Lord returns, or will we be in concentration camps and facing martyrdom? Well, I'm going to work my butt off to make sure that my kids and grandkids and the members of my congregation, which are a flock that I love and care for, and not only do I want to see them in heaven, but I want them to be in good health. I want them to be able to provide for their families. I want them to be able to sleep at night. I want them to be able to prosper while on this earth. I'm going to battle my tail end off to try to secure liberty for the next generation until the Lord comes again. i got about two minutes here, Paul. And again, libertypastors.com is where you can go to get more information on his network. I want you to take those two minutes. If there's pastors in this audience or people in this audience that want to encourage their pastors. All right. You've got two minutes to speak to a really large audience. What would you, what, what do you want to say to them, Paul? Well, I would say this, you know, Paul writes directly to the church in the uh, book of Ephesians, and we are told to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. In fact, he says even more than that. He says not only are we supposed to break fellowship with them, but we're supposed to rebuke them, expose them, and stand against them. Well, we have this idea that Christians aren't supposed to be controversial. Where in the world did we ever come up with that idea? Jesus is still the most controversial name you can mention anywhere on the planet. Jesus was so controversial that they crucified him. You read in the book of Acts, everywhere the apostle Paul went or any of the apostles went, usually a riot broke up. They wound up in jail or being chased out of town. That's what happens when you shine the light of truth into the darkness. The dark world doesn't want to see the light, but it's our responsibility to stand boldly with the Lord Jesus and these other men's shoulders whom we stand upon. God has put us here for such a time as this. It is no accident that you are on the radio right or on television right now in 2021. It's no accident that I'm doing what I'm doing with Liberty Pastors here in 2021. God has put us here for such a time of this as this. May we be men and women of courage, and may we, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, our God is able. Whether he chooses to rescue us or not, don't know. That's his business. But we will not conform. We will not bow the knee one inch. We will stand for the righteousness of truth, and we will stand for the, for the truth of the Holy Scriptures. Again, folks, go to the website, libertypastors.com, plural, libertypastors.com. Pastor Paul Blair, Paul, um, way too overdue having you on. Thank you uh, for being our guest this week on Theology Thursday and for your uh, encouragement uh, and inspiration, brother. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. God bless. My, my pleasure, buddy. Love you guys. Take care. Thank you. Any thoughts or reaction to that conversation? Well, I uh, thought about um, Marvin Olansky's book, The Tragedy of American Compassion, that I've cited many times on this show and well, well before we were at the bottom of this slippery slope. The, the the fact that we have set all of these, as Christians, these default settings to our lifestyles. Oh, where, where Pastor Paul is clear, where we, we've said, like, the, the, the gospel just clearly, and Steve, as you, your example of what you go to a pastor to talk for, and but then when he says, whoa, 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 where we just don't, but we all do that. We all do. It, it doesn't apply there. I've done it in my own life. That, 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 no, nah, that's not really... This is somehow Western civilization, uh, first world excuses. They've somehow transcended the gospel. Somehow they're value neutral. 
Um, it, it's one of the grandest lies in all of human history. I, the the uh, Lord Nefarious uh, himself counted on it to be able to do what he's done to us. I look forward to that theme. I bet it's going to play out in some way, shape, or form in the, the book uh, coming out uh, as a movie because, my goodness, did we drink our own slavery from the fire hose. At this point in, in time, you're just a fool. You're You're just an abject fool if you think... Automatically, if your gut level reaction is there's no possible way, there's no possible way we're, we're approaching the end times. You're also a fool if you think that it's going to happen necessarily tomorrow. We're still, we're still living in that in between time. I will tell you this though, there's a heck of a lot just with the global scale of what we've seen over the last two years seems to be a heck of a lot more signs than there were, let's say, a hell of a lot more signs than there were a couple of years ago. Three non-political questions are next. Don't find out the hard way, the painful way, just how much equity you have in your home, like when you go to use it and you can't because somebody already used it instead and it's gone. That can happen with what is called home title theft. It is one of the leading cybercrime trends going on in the country today. And this is where uh, scammers, they go online to where a lot of our home's titles are kept. They start looking for what they think could be high equity homes. Then they pull your home's online title, forge your signature on something like a quick claim deed to make it look like you've sold your home to them. And then they start taking out loans against your equity. And a lot of times you don't find out until that equity is gone and you go to use it or even worse late payment notices, uh, the kinds of things you don't want to see in the mail, start showing up. Your mortgage lender um, and your homeowner's insurance, they can't protect you. But thankfully, you can get protected with our friends at Home Title Lock. And today, they want to offer you a $100 value for free. It's called their Complete Title History. Find out if the title to your home, if it's in the clear, free and in the clear, if it has been tampered with or attempted to, get that for free today. It's normally a $100 value, but free if you register your address today at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, get it for free today at HomeTitleLock.com. And now it's time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. Yes, trying to take a little bit of the um, edge off, you know, the fall of civilization. Easier done than said. Question number one, would you rather be Buck Williams, Rayford Steele, one of the two witnesses, or have an alternate question? Do you even know what this is a reference to? Do you know? Yeah, that's the... The book series. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. All right. Okay. I told you I read the first one. That's right. You did. Okay. It took a second to. <clears throat> yeah. That that is. What a question that is. 
So what was the third option? The third option was one of the two witnesses. The fourth option was, <laughs> would you like an alternate question? The For those of you that don't know, although I don't know how many people in this audience don't know, uh, you know, though, there we have got a, a, you know, a fairly sizable contingent of non-Messianic Jewish followers and LDS that you may not know what this is a reference to, but Aaron just made a uh, a very direct reference to the greatest selling works of evangelical fiction in American history, the Left Behind books. And Cameron Buck Williams is the lead character. Works for CNN. Yep. I'm sorry, GNN. GNN, yeah, but that's basically a takeoff on that. And Rayford Steele will turn out to be his father-in-law. Um, and then the two witnesses are out of the the pre-trib mm-hmm. interpretation of, uh, or the pre-millennial interpretation of uh, eschatological events. All right. Um, so that that first question, brother, was very well played. Thank you. So who would you rather be? I At this point, I, I feel like I'm uh, some variation of Cameron Buck Williams. I have felt that way like for the last year. Like, okay. I'm, like I'm just out there now. I kind of feel like I've been kind of the Cameron or, or there's a group of us that have been the Cameron Buck Williams of COVID since last March. Right. Yeah. So, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know a wit about flying a plane, so I can't be Rayford Steele, okay? And I'm not the reincarnated Elijah or Moses, so I, I cannot be but the you two would witnesses. Like to be. Um, Shooting fire out of your mouth? That'd be pretty cool. Does that happen? In the movie, yeah. <laughs> oh, Aaron. <laughs> During the break, we're back in the break room, and he says, in his very monotone, deadpan delivery, I really think you're going to like this first question. <laughs> and I said, I'm looking forward to it. I had no idea what was coming. But then again, that was such an obvious play. I would have never gotten it if you asked me to guess in a million years. But very well done. Well played. I'm Catholic. Okay. Question number two. Um, speaking of, well, not at all. Besides your own favorite team, if you could be the owner and general manager of any NFL team, which team would you choose and why? Um, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go. No, I can't as much as I, as much as those are the prettiest uniforms of all time. And I would just love to look at them every single weekend. They're in California. So no, that's going to be a no from me, dog. You know, I'll go to my first favorite team. The, the team that I originally fell in love with when I first fell in love with football, watching, uh, fat, bloated, Single barred face mask with acne. Jim Plunkett with the Raiders, the greatness of the Raiders. Yeah. Because they also have some beautiful jerseys and beautiful uniforms. And uh, I think I'm going to go with the Vegas Raiders. That's who I would go with. So, yeah. NFL team. Mm hmm. Oh, I think, gosh, I don't know. Don't you have to choose the Cowboys? Why? I mean, there's just. That team has been pretty mediocre for a long time now. But as you talk, the, the, I mean, one playoff win since uh, they got rid of Barry Switzer, I think it is right. But the the power of the helmet, yeah, the you yeah, know, I get it. the Raiders have a pretty powerful, uh, pretty powerful brand, pretty oh, powerful brand as well. I yeah, agree. but I get, I, I hear you. I mean, you're still talking about maybe the most valuable other than the New York Yankees. Yeah. Sports franchise and in, in North America. So yeah. I don't 
begrudge that at all. Not at all. I mean, the the first actually uh, customized jersey of a player I ever owned as a kid was Danny White. Really? Yeah, that's the first time I owned a team a, a, a team jersey was Danny White, and I was upset. Danny White. Because, and I got to meet him many years ago in my sports media career when he was coaching, I think, the Arizona Rattlers in the Arena Football League, and I was covering the Barnstormers in Iowa here. But I I was upset because... Uh, my my dad, Dave, who grew up in West Michigan in Battle Creek, he was rooting for a guy a guy named Gary Hogaboom. I cannot remember. I cannot believe. Gary I forgot Sean Davis was going to be on the show, but I am remembering this. Okay, a guy na- who played at Western Michigan, a guy named Gary Hogaboom, sure, was trying to take the starting job away from Danny White, and Danny White had actually gotten benched a couple of times by Tom Landry and Gary Hogaboom put in the game, and Dave was very excited because that was a player he knew you know from his backyard and you know this was the first jersey i ever bought was the danny white jersey you know so yeah memories but for me it's the raiders i love the and and if there's ever a need if there's ever a need for the 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 type of team the raiders had in the 70s in the 80s when we were growing up just giving zero f's Grabbing, grabbing people that just march to their own drum, critical thinkers, contrarians, putting them together on one team, all right, and just and whatever do whatever it takes. We're just at, just win, baby. That's it. That's all that matters. All right. That's all that matters. If there was ever a time for America to rally around a team with a brand and a legacy and a heritage like that, would now not be mm-hmm. the time. Would now not be the time. Indeed. You, you got me thinking now I need to change my answer. Yeah. I'm going with the team formerly known as the Washington Redskins. <laughs> oh, that's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. So now, you can name them. That, that, so I, I might even like your answer keep, better, actually. I, they're actually going to sit there and keep it, the Washington football team, I guess. For But I would like have a poll every year of like which, which woke mascot. I would just troll DC with the football team all the time. I love that idea. Yeah. That is a great idea. So, so the it, Washington w- Brandons. How about that? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> would, would you? Would you? Would you? We're going to do an overtime today about a poll we asked our audience. So let me pull you. Okay. Would you bring the name Redskin back, or or would you use the idea that I had? If you're going to rename them, call them the Washington Republicans. No, I think I now I'd I'd just keep it because they're well. not serious about winning. But yeah. I would every year I would I would act as if it's up for grabs again with a new poll and and again it would all there's so much new stupid there it would be do you want us to be named the brandons this year or the pronouns or the it would it would be great i would be a legend okay i think for me um when i was a kid my favorite uh, or second favorite football team was the tennessee titans just because my my sister-in-law's from there and so she kind of she was a, a fan and I, I don't know if nothing if for nothing else their stadium is not that great, um, but good grief if for nothing else they have some of the most underrated uniforms in the NFL in my opinion. Who's that again? The Titans. Oh, I, their uniforms are are pretty. Uh, question number three: If you were a rapper, oh boy, what would your stage name be, and what stage name would you give your cohorts if they were rappers? That's the sound of 
two middle-aged white guys with no thought bubble. That's that's what that is. I would be smug e. <laughs> Todd was just like, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> and then Erzin comes off the top row. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Continue. I, I like this. Yes. Um. Well, come on. I got the ball rolling. Now I got to name you two. Uh, Smug E. Um, I like that. I like it a lot. Um. I got nothing, man. I think yep. I'd be, I'd be like a little stinky, a little stinky, because that's what I, that's what I am at the. What is at the with end the, of the day? What, what is with the Lil thing for rapper names? Lil, Lil. I'm sorry. What, what is with that? Can you help me? Is no. It, you know, I mean, what is that? I mean, we had Ice Cube and Dr. Dre, and and now now the rappers want to be Lil. Lil. I mean. What is dope about being named Lol? What's what's dope about that? The, like, doesn't Ice Cube sound like somebody that is cooler than you, right? No pun intended, of course, but doesn't it sound like that? Sure. Doesn't the name Snoop Dogg sound cooler than you, right? Well, I mean, Some, someone walks up to you and their name starts with Lol, and you're like, whatever. I mean, what is the what is the fascination with that? And I know. those guys acted cooler than you. And then these guys here, they're like, you need to pull your pants up before I take you seriously or stop sucking on a pacifier or yes. something like that. Yes. All right. I, I have an idea, but I got to look up the name first. So you guys talk. Just a second. All right. Steve, you would be Murder Hornet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of one for Todd. Um. Uh, How about l- instead of yellow, l- 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 orange? Lowell Caustic. Lowell Caustic. Lowell ca- Caustic, I like <laughs> Vinegar, that. You know? How about instead of yellow, right? That was like the mixed guy for NWA when we were kids. We go with orange, for like, you know, because Trump, orange man bad, Cheeto sure. Jesus saves. So instead of yellow, we have orange. What do you think? Do you like that? I like that. So I'll be orange. I'm the mixed guy. I'm orange. That's what I am. I'm orange instead of yellow. So just orange? Just orange. Just like so it was just yellow, like, it's just orange. Just George yes. Costanza naming his kids seven. I'm just orange. You're just orange. How but, about okay. uh, Periwinkle? So like uh, Vanilla Ice, is that <laughs> what we're going with? All right, here's my rap name. Clayton Bigsby. That's my rap name. Clayton Bigsby. Do you guys know what that's a reference to? No. no. That's Dave Chappelle's black white supremacist. That's, oh. that's my rap name. <laughs> In fact, C. Biggs. C. Biggs. Short for Clayton oh, excellent. Bigs- Bigsby. What do you think? I'm C. Biggs. C. Biggs. C. Biggs. I'm fine. You like that? Yeah. Okay. Um, time for one bonus question. Okay. What's the worst example of hanging on too long in sports or culture? I'm afraid we might be watching it right now with Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. I mean, that's getting kind of sad to watch. Um, you think of Joe Namath with the Rams. That's a very famous example. Um. I mean, gosh, I'm gonna get more emails about that. But the list of of boomer bands and actors, yeah. I, I, I I'm struggling to come up with one because I can come up with 300 of them. I mean, I just that refuse to take, you know, the country time and the shuffleboard and go play some Texas Hold'em with their winnings. So I'll I'll say for now I'll say Roethlisberger because it's kind of getting it's getting really sad mm-hmm. to watch and it's it's it's. It's in my immediate thought process. 
uh, does it have to be a person? Can it be a thing? Yeah. Well, then it's instant replay. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Of course. Here, here, you know I what? thought here, I had perfect. Here, here's I thought why. I had formed four perfectly crafted questions. Here's, here's my answer. In fact, I think I just came up with a better answer. And I do too. Bruce Jenner. Yeah. Oh, there's a good one. Yeah. I like that. Actually, I think this is po- straight up. I think it's Muhammad Ali. I thought about that too. Because yeah. uh, I I think Muhammad Ali is very much a construct, but he was also an amazing human being mm-hmm. and. Because he hung on too long in the ring, look, his brain was mush uh, yeah. for much of his life. Yeah. And I would have really been interested in seeing what he would have been like, what he had to say yeah. if he rejected his handlers, because that man early on in his life, the Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali, that's a construct. I mean, he, he was a strong man, an independent-minded man, but he was a, very much an independent man. The people decided they could steer if they just got get him going in that direction and then let him go. You know who's probably the closest thing in our era to what you just described is Dave Chappelle, aforementioned. Um, just refuses to be controlled, basically. And sometimes you'll agree with it and sometimes uh, you won't. I, but just refuses to be controlled. I watched about the first half last night mm-hmm. of his news. Now, many of you, this you will not be... It is, it is uncomfortable. At times, there's parts of comedy that I just don't find enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But he just keeps telling you. He says, "I'm this." He says, "It's my last one." He says, "I'm going there," mm-hmm. and he does. You know, you got a million reasons to be stressed out these days, right? But receding hairlines, male pattern baldness does not have to be two of them. That's why you want to check in with our friends over at Keeps. They offer the same FDA recommended hair loss treatments, but you get the generic version, so you're going to save. Tons of money, pay about half the cost. Then you get all the convenience. It's all done online. You just answer a few easy questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor reviews your info and recommends the right hair loss treatment for you. And then to get you started, we throw in half off your first order as well. So savings all the time with the generics, convenience all the time with it done online, bigger savings your first time to get you started. Half off your first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow, K-E-E-P-S, for keeps.com slash grow. Again, that's keeps.com slash grow. All right, we're going to stick around and do the overtime today for Blaze TV subscribers. It'll be posted later today over at blazetv.com slash dace, D-E-A-C-E. That's also where you can go to become a subscriber for a discount today to Blaze TV. For the rest of you, we will see you again tomorrow. The Dace Group returns noon to 2 Eastern right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.